I ordered takeout, then spread out all the case-related files on the living room floor. I spent the afternoon eating mediocre pad thai and reviewing everyone's stories, even though I already knew them like a tongue knows the backsides of teeth. I reread my notes on my interview with Mrs. Webb, with Dylan. I wrote the words, Why the Library, in capital letters at the top of a notepad, and then failed to write anything else after that. I stared at the pictures of Sylvia's body until I saw her whenever I closed my eyes. I couldn't reconcile her staff photo with the journal with the crime scene pictures. She was so smiling and ethereal in the photo, so obsessive in her words, so heavy in death. It was as though she'd suddenly solidified, and in doing so, died. We're doing fine. I'm doing fine. Welcome to We're Doing Fine Book Club Edition. He's Robbie. And she is Lisa. And I am tired. Me too. For different reasons. We are inverted this episode. It is my morning and it's Lisa's nighttime. Yes, and I have work tomorrow. I'm so sorry. (laughs) This will be... I was going to say this will be a quick one, but I have a feeling it will not. Yeah. It was a good one, though. This month we read Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Indeed. Um quick synopsis um the book is about ivy gamble who is a private investigator um and she's approached by the headmaster of a magic school to investigate a mysterious death (gasps) that the headmistress uh, sorry headmaster um believes is not an accident as it was ruled by the world of mages is that what it's called no that's a different book what did they call it here the Niz or something like that. The, yeah, something like that. Um, so basically, Ivy is pulled to the school and she's given a flat to live in while she stays there. And she's asked to investigate the death in case it was a murder. Um, it turns out Ivy is asked to go to the same school as her estranged twin sister, <gasps> who is magical. And Ivy has to deal with some young, youthful trauma that is the fact that she was embittered that she didn't grow up with magic, but her twin sister did. Yes. Now, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, so if you haven't read the book, go read it right now. It was great. It really, it really was, and I would encourage you to go and read it, and then come back in, like, literally two seconds. Not in real time, obviously, pause us. And then come back. Yeah, you have until right now. Now we're on highway to the spoiler spoilers zone. Yeah. Yeah. We need like some someone, maybe maybe a maybe a Dave in the shower can give us a highway to the spoiler zone. <laughs> the dream. We are becoming a high production podcast. I know. After that last one we had. <laughs> what can I say? I do my best work when I'm <laughs> tired. Beautiful. Well. <laughs> To start off, I think we already answered this, but we have a quick question from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. We have so many listener questions this month. I'm so excited. But Ryan asked, did you enjoy the book? I did. I fucking loved it. Um, thank you for your question, Ryan. Uh, it's good that you're getting involved. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really, I really like the book. Um, I know that uh, there's another question that discusses this later, so I'll keep this one vague. But I did not see the end coming. I don't know why. Well, I think it's because I read the book so disjointed. And you know me, I love a plot twist. That's true, too. Well, let's get right into that because we had a, 
a lot of questions from Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. I really appreciate it and love it. Here for it. Um, but also Jenna said that it's been a while since she's been able to participate in book club and she's glad to be back because this month's was so good. Um, she's been meaning to read a Sarah Gailey book for a while, so it definitely made an excellent first impression. Thank you, Jenna. So the first of her series of questions, and I will intersperse other questions too, to some of these. Um, Jenna says, I have to ask, when did you figure out it was Tabitha? I'm going to be honest. I knew the second we found out there'd been a murder and Ivy had an estranged sister. It all just went together too well for me to not suspect it was Tabitha. However, knowing who the murderer was didn't bother me in the slightest, which brings me to my second question dot dot dot. But how quickly did you realize it was Tabitha? Well, I've just, I didn't until she <laughs> was in the library. <laughs> Fair. Um, I would say I always... Honestly? Yeah. So I was just gonna say, honestly, I was expecting like a, a realization of like inner power, and it turns out that she had like a sort of a um, like fugue state and had snuck into this school and killed Sylvia herself. Like I thought Ivy <gasps> maybe did have powers, and so that's when she was like, "I'm going to the library. I don't know what I'll find, but I know it will be there." And I was like, "Like why are all the her. books only it's talking her. to her?" Yeah. Yeah, and then it was fucking Ivy, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say that I always suspected Tabitha. Like, right, of course, she's an obvious suspect. Um, though I was very entrenched in the Chosen One ongoing saga. Yes. <laughs> between yes. Dylan and, oh, shit. Um, Alexandria. Yes, Alexandria, not Alex. No, no. So that was compelling. It was a good red herring, um, especially at the end there. Oh, my goodness. Um, speaking of which, and like how quickly you realized things, how quickly did you figure out that Dylan wasn't the chosen one? And did you expect there to be more from that plotline in the end? This question comes from Callum. I assumed from the beginning he was not because he was so adamant that he was. Oh, my God. And Boy was obsessed. I yeah, I definitely was convinced i wasn't surprised when alex was the alexandria was the chosen one because that just made so much sense because he from the start he was like my sister wastes her magic she's yeah. shit she I cares about her. makeup yeah no chosen one would care about makeup <laughs> yeah no it was super obvious i do love that courtney was just like um of course i'm a little scared of him he's going to be the strongest mage of all time like, bro, you're scared of your best friend. Why do you think that? Yeah. Um. So, next, so stupid. Yeah. Next <laughs> question from Jenna. Does it bother you to know the ending plot twist general spoilers of a book before reading it? Yes. Oh, yeah. 100% for sure. It doesn't bother me if I figure it out. Because there's always that, like, maybe I'm wrong. Because I have severe imposter syndrome. Yeah, and you get that payoff was, oh my god, I was right. Yeah. Where it's like, if you're just but, told by somebody, oh my god, it's Tabitha, by the way, you'd be like... Yeah, you'd be like, okay, thanks. Didn't even know this book was a murder mystery when I picked it up, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> not gonna lie, I did not read the back. I just saw the front cover and I was like, that looks cool. <laughs> um. Yeah, it doesn't... I, I, I still have not seen Logan because someone told me how it ended. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, like, it would super bother me. But if I figure it out, even if I figured it out early on, that doesn't bother me as much. 
It's that self-discovery. Yeah. I think it's just because I, I can't let someone else have the joy of ruining something, so I won't partake in the thing that they've ruined. Yeah. I can't give them the satisfaction. Absolutely not. No. We petty like that. Exactly. All right. Next up from Jenna. This book has one of the most bare bones magic systems I've ever seen. It's not explained at all. And when it is, it makes no sense. But I think it actually worked in the book's favor, especially being from Ivy's point of view. What did you think of the limited soft magic system? That's a thinker. I don't I don't know if I thought about it that much. I truly didn't really think about it. Um, here I was just kind of being like, wow, they teach English. Yeah. Harry Potter would have never. <laughs> I would have liked to hear more of the magic system, but I think it was just so inconsequential how magic works to the actual story. Because at its heart, it's a, ma- it's a murder mystery. It's not a fantasy. It has fantastical elements, for sure. How else could you explain Rahul? <laughs> but it's not like a fantasy wizard story. Yeah, it's not about the wizards. It's about Ivy. And how she's not a wizard. Exactly. Well, a mage. All right. Next up is, I think we all present different parts of our personality in different situations. Do you think Ivy was wrong to present herself as magical when working the case or as she was doing or was she just doing what people do? I think she was just doing what people do, but maybe to an unhealthy extent for herself. Uh, so we do have a voice message from a listener, which thank you. That was, I loved it. Um, loved getting a voice message. But they do go into this later on because I think it went beyond just doing what people do. She made a conscious choice to let people just believe that she was magical. But I think there was a discussion at the start where she was worried they wouldn't take her as seriously or not consider her a threat if they thought, because these children aren't just children, like, they're magical. Yeah. And they all have all No, I think it was the better decision to make, for sure. I'm not arguing with the decision, but I think it was a choice rather than just like, oh, I talk different with my friends than I do at work. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't think it was wrong of her, though. No. I do think it was wrong of her with Raoul. Um, I think she took that one a bit further than she necessarily could have. Yeah. I think there was, like, because she had already made that choice, and she thought that Raoul only liked her because of because she was also magic, she didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But that could have compromised your case, because he did say himself that, uh, He is terrible at keeping secrets. Yeah. But, I don't know. She did, in fact, lie to him. Because she said that she went to the same school as Tabitha. Yeah. Like, if she had waited until after the case to start dating him, that would have been better. That would have been ideal. Because he was so sweet. (laughs) He was. Alright. Next question from Jenna. I'm loving the teen representation here. It's so raw and honest and chaotic and feels very true to that time of life. What kind of teen were you in high school? Shout out shout oh, out God. to my fellow nerdy loners. Jenna, don't I was like this. Jenna, you know exactly what kind of teen I was in high school and I was not a cool one. <laughs> I don't think there's any cool people on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had a Totoro hat. I was in mock trial and robotics. That doesn't surprise me. 
I took advanced placement classes by choice. <laughs> I wasn't even much of a nerd. I was awful in school. I got really bad grades. I had to go to college after high school. I just was. We all go to college nerd. after high school, Robbie. Could you stop being US centric <laughs> for like a hot second? Sorry, can't do. <laughs> It's not in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember um, when I told a sidebar. I just remember like I was out of Tesco <laughs> grabbing a meal deal for lunch. And they were like, oh, like, you know, did you just get out of class or something? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in school. I just, like, I'm on break from school. And the, the person just stared at me like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, yeah, you guys call it uni. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Skills very specifically for children. Wild. <laughs> They're all school. Anyways, yes. So. yes. What kind of um, teen no, were you? Was, you little prefect. I was. I was a prefect, but only because everyone in the senior had to be a prefect. Um, Wait, what? I was, really? Yeah. But did you get a badge? Yeah. That's exciting. See, mm, sidebar again. We all thought that J.K. Rowling was just like a real good world builder. We did not know that that was just what schools were like over there. Oh my we God. were like, oh, Shall this is so creative. Shall I blow your mind a bit a more? Perfect. We barely, hall monitors are adults here. We have, um, we also have school houses. See? What the fuck? That's wild. Yeah, I was That's in Canmore. What? Did you guys have, did, what was your logo, what was your animal mascot? It, would, um, it, it was a coat of arms. Oh my god, of course it's a coat of arms. <laughs> Just to be clear, um, I went to a very terrible public school. <laughs> That's just how we do here. So did I, but we didn't have a coat of arms. <laughs> but um, I was the, the boy dressed in all black um, that hung out with girls whether it's because he hates men or because he was a closet gay. Who knows? Not me. I'm not going to think about it too deeply. I think um, you could be both. Well, probably a little bit both. Um, I try to avoid thinking about my time in high school as much as possible. Um, people used to pay 50p to the ice cream van to get a bag of sweets to throw at us. What? Yeah. So that's who I was in high school. You could get a whole bag of sweets for 50p? It was called a 50p mix-up. That's wild. Also wild that people threw things at you. Rude, but yeah. understandable. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was worse when they realized it was cheaper to use stones instead of buying sweets. <gasps> oh, no. So you don't even a get a thing. snack from that. Fuck. I know. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? What it's an esoteric place you live in. <laughs> Dumpy. Well... Last question from Jenna. Okay, be honest. How many of us fell in love with Rahul? I know I did. He's so adorable. I yeah. I definitely did. Oh my gosh. And the fact that he was now best friends with his ex-boyfriend, like, oh, all those little details we got. Mm-hmm. The fact that he had Tabitha, like, cast a spell on the oysters to make sure they stayed fresh. <laughs> Cute. The fact that he had a cat named Alphabet. <laughs> I'd date him. I'd date him. Yeah. We I could both him. date him. Yeah. Ideal. And then he could just like magic the laundry done. It'd be great. I think this is going to work. Uh, yeah. We've we've got this nailed. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Jenna, for all of those awesome questions. All right. We have one more from Callum. Thank you, Callum. 
He says, It seems like Headmaster Torres had more reason to ask for a PI than just an employee. Did you ever suspect her to be in a relationship with Sylvia? No. No? I kind of did. I I had like a sneaking suspicion for like the first half until it was like proven that it was Tabitha. Like up until when Tabitha was like, I have to tell you something. And I thought, even then I was like, oh, Sylvia was fucking them both. <laughs> this was a murder of passion. So, I just, I think I dis- just assumed they were best friends. Oh, okay. Just gals being pals. Yeah. Not everything's Typical got to be man. quite good, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have an awesome voice message from a listener. Thank you, Hannah. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Lisa. I decided to send you this month's book club questions as a voice note because I wanted to be a dick. (laughs) I'm kidding. I just have so many things I needed to get out of my head, and I felt like typing you an essay-length email didn't seem like a great vibe. So last Tuesday night, before I went to bed, I read the last six chapters of Magic for Liars all at once, and as you know, a lot of the plot twists and dramas happen right at the end, and everything that Ivy was building and working towards suddenly falls away. I closed the book, and I felt so negatively about something. I don't know what, but I had to go outside, walk into the city center, and then walk back home at like 10 p.m., and then lay under the stars in the backyard, just blasting angsty music before I could even come inside and sleep. I feel like I hate this book with a burning passion, and thinking about it makes me almost physically sick, and yet it's not even the story that I hate. I think what makes me so uncomfortable is that Sarah Gailey somehow manages to take all the old, dusty fragments of the absolute worst behaviors that I spent so many years shaking off, just polished them off, and made this mosaic out of them, and then left the art there for me to admire, like, unknowingly, without realizing what I was looking at until the very end. For example, some of the triggering, like, very toxic things that I didn't really like, and I'm thinking maybe you can tell me if you have a different perspective on this, I'd be really interested to hear. Um, Some of the things I noticed was um, Raoul immediately takes the realization that Ivy is non-magic personally, and finds a way to make it about him, and neither he nor Ivy finds anything wrong with that logic whatsoever, even though he's the one who assumed things about her without asking, and yeah, she was a little insecure about it and a little shifty. But at the end of the day, you know, I I hate the way he makes it about him. Seriously. And no one thinks anything of it. Even she thinks that he's right to do that, and I don't know why it wasn't a discussion. But anyway, um, I also hate the way that Dylan's ambition was physically removed from him through a traumatic event, and everyone was happy and relieved because now he'll finally chill out. And then he was treated like he probably wouldn't have a lot of trauma, especially compared to Courtney, even though they went through very similar things. And I understand that Courtney had an extra emotional level to it because of the abortion that she needed, but it still gives me this really dark vibe of women can be so traumatized so easily and men can't. And Ivy tells the whole story through the perspective of her being a liar and blames herself for everything that went wrong. So I guess my first real question is, is Ivy a liar? Is she a liar or is she trying her best to navigate very morally gray situations and deal with her insecurities? I feel like I can forgive 
pretty much everything she does in this entire book. I don't see her as a liar. I think maybe the title Magic for Liars goes beyond just her, but the book opens with a very here's how I ruined everything type of vibe from Ivy's perspective, and I do think she firmly believes that she has messed everything up even at the very end. And Mrs. Webb as well, as a character, what does she represent? What is she there for? I get very strange vibes from her, and I'm just really interested to see what you think of her, um, maybe what she brought to the story or what she represents. I think there's a little bit more to her than just the school nurse slash secretary person. I don't know exactly what she was supposed to be, I can't remember. But yeah, if you could talk about any of those things at all, thanks for doing book club. I really love these book clubs, actually. It's really fun to do each month, and although I have extremely differing views on She Who Became the Sun, that was really, really great, and ever since then I've been loving all the books we've been reading, and it gets me to read things that I wouldn't usually pick for myself. So I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to this episode, and yeah, keep doing fine. So thank you, Hannah, for giving us so much to think about. Um, I'm going to kind of take these piecemeal. We kind of discussed a little bit about Rahul. Um, do you think he made uh, Ivy's lying more about him? Like, how do you how did how did you feel about his response? I I felt it was justified, considering, and I understand that objectively he could have thought a bit more about why she lied. But you know, when you're in that situation, and this you know she's been dating him for a while, we assume because. A week. You know, oh, well, you know, they've been going on a few dates and she takes it a bit seriously when he says a deal breaker and she's like, oh my God, I'm a deal. Oh my goodness. You know, so there's definitely some emotional investment, which is adorable. And I do hope they get together in the end. But I think when you're in that situation and you have been lied to, I think it's very easy to to fall into anger. Yeah. I think his initial reaction was definitely justified. I think he could have thought about it and at least maybe heard her out in the next, you know, the following day or two. He did say, you know, call me back when you're ready to date. Yeah, that's true. You know, and also I feel like she didn't help herself when she was explaining she did because not she explain herself well. Yeah, She was literally just like, I pretend to have magic because then I could be a better version of me. And then all of a sudden I just had this new life that I was pretending to live. And I thought you could be a person in that life. And he was like, so this isn't real? Yeah. Like all she had to do was say, I'm so sorry I got caught up in this lie that I sort of had to for work. But then you were there and you're so nice and I truly fell for you, but I was worried it would compromise the case if I told you. Yeah, absolutely. But no, she, she was did like, not explain You're just a part well. being played in my fake life. <laughs> exactly. You were but a pawn. But I do understand where Hannah's coming from in that it um it takes away Ivy's struggle. Mm-hmm. when he definitely when he with his reaction but i don't necessarily think that's that's quote unquote a bad thing that's just raul's reaction and we can't yeah. control these a lot of the time he feels like he's been made fun of or sort of like used yeah he definitely feels used or objectified like he's been put into a box that doesn't make him quite a real person yeah 
No one enjoys the roles that we put upon other people. All right, but the next piece is about Courtney and Dylan and the different ways they, the, the different ways they are affected by a very similar trauma, this trauma of being just completely blown apart and having to view yourself kind of from the third person. Um, and also about how Dylan's ambition was physically removed. I think this was kind of a not so great way to try and like reflect that it was like an abortion. I don't know. Like trying to mirror the two a bit too much. Yeah. I will say, I don't think that is, uh, I don't think it's a fault of Sarah Gailey's. I think it's a deliberate fault that she has created or a deliberate character flaw of magicians in general, because none of the magical users the magic users were actually that fussed about courtney either like yeah. even mrs webb was just like oh she'll be fine she'll you know she'll fuck off for a bit she'll get a haircut and she'll be fine tomorrow yeah um like the only person that was genuinely concerned about even like tabitha was like you know when ivy was like you did surgery without anesthesia yeah. and tabitha was like yeah but she was fine like it it was it worked it was fine i don't know what you're fussed about the only person that was concerned about courtney was ivy and she was also concerned about um about dylan but no yeah. one else was and she was like i don't know how to convince these people that it's not enough you know like she was like courtney needs therapy dylan needs to talk to somebody and they were like no he's fine yeah. he's fine and she was like standard oh. magic yeah, and I think that's it, is that the stakes are so much higher all the time when you can fucking explode people with a thought that they're just like, no, this isn't that big a deal. And, and Ivy was like, actually, it it is. Yeah, yeah. I definitely thought there was going to be more from that whole Chosen One narrative. And like, even when they were leaving, like, I was fully expecting Alexandria to do a big old murder of like everyone in the office that was being taken here with her. Um. But yeah, no, I think it was really messy and it, the whole Courtney Dillon, like, I don't know. I'm like, you kind of muff, like you, you kind of muzzled Dylan if you take away his ambition. But like, also was that the thing that was going to, you know, gnaw at him the rest of his life? Was it possibly potentially a good thing? We'll never know. Mm-hmm. We'll never know like, if I it ruins like his con- life. Like what if somebody took away my obsession with Paramore? I wouldn't exactly, Ravi. You'd be an empty shell of a person. I would be nothing. Um, I do appreciate that Mrs. Webb did take it seriously once they were like, "Yo, they actually did the fucking abortion and um, no anesthesia." Like it took that took that much. Yeah, but still, no concern for Dylan. He's probably fucking traumatized. That's the same thing. It's the same fucking thing. Can't imagine being blown apart and then slowly swiveled back together. That was a bit creepy. I really did not like any of that. Even when she did it with the shoulder, I was like, Oh, I was just like, ooh, pink mist. (laughs) Oh boy. Not ideal. It's wild that I don't like horror, truly. Yeah. Um, Next piece, is Ivy a liar? Is it forgivable? Um, And does the title refer to anyone else? I think the title refers to literally everyone who's actually magical. More so than Ivy. Yeah, I don't think the title refers to Ivy at all. I think when you look at it, every magic user is a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Except for maybe Rahul, unless he didn't actually like her. Unless he was a secret double agent, which I was considering for a second. Well, he lied about the muscles, the oysters. Oh, that's true. That's true. But then he came out with the truth. 
Yeah, everyone's a liar. Trust no one. Snakes. Snakes. Magical snakes. <laughs> um, and then what about Mrs. Webb? What do you think of her? Is she more than she seems? I think she's the the piece of the puzzle that keeps the entire book together. Like, I think there's definitely a connection that somebody could make, and I'm not clever enough to make it, but that she was one of the, you know, best and brightest magical doctors and now she's a receptionist you know well it's just like it's just like every american school they pay you know administrators they'll they pay like presidents and headmasters and everything a ton of money and then there's a lady a little old lady with like you know receptionist two title that keeps everything going yeah it's the only way we function it is indeed but yeah, I think she really is the glue, and she is so much more than she seems to be, obviously. She's this mm. crazy, powerful mage, and I kind of like that she was just a little bitter about Alex, Alexandra, Alexandria um, being super powerful and doing something that, you know, she never was able to do. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions. What a good book we chose. What a good book we chose. <laughs> um, just like one last thing, because I want to talk about that ending. Because I definitely had to sit with it for a minute. Like, I was I was listening to the audiobook, and while it was, like, finishing up, I was just like, there's no fucking way. There's no way. There's no way. I'm not looking. There's more book. We're going to see Rahul come down. We're We're going to, we're going to, we're going to have something be settled. It just reminded me of, like, we just didn't. Let's play ancient Greek punishments. Like, yeah, everyone is miserable all the time because they can't ever, like, it's like Orpheus. He had everything that he wanted and then he looked back. He doubted what he had and he looked back and he lost everything. Everything fell apart. You're trying to fill up that bowl, but there's fucking holes at the bottom. Yep. Sad times. How did, how did the book make you feel? How did that ending make you feel? Well, as you know, Lisa, I don't have emotions. So I really wasn't that moved by it. I just was shocked that it had been Tabitha. <laughs> Fair. And of course, Robbie, I have one last question for you. Mm. Whomst was your favorite character? Probably Ivy. Yeah? It's a bit on the nose, but and I won't quote it, but you know my favorite quote. That's true. All right. I relate a lot. I think my favorite character is Mrs. Webb. She is great. She's fantastic. I want to be her when I grow up, except not surrounded by children. The dream. <laughs> I just want to be a very powerful old lady. Just to be clear, the dream is not being surrounded by children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. With the way we're headed, that's not going to be a problem. Yes. All right, one more thing. How would you rate this book? I would say a four. I would right. have given it a five, but it was a wee bit too close to kill your gaze. Oh, that's true. That is true. I would also give it a four. I think the mysteries were a bit obvious, but I really enjoyed the ride. Um, Yeah, I think it was delightful. It was very fun. It was indeed. All right. And now we are moving into spooky season. Ooh. Would you like to announce our book club selection for the month of October? Yeah. Drum roll. For October, 
we will be reading A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. Yes, and thank you to Jenna for suggesting it. Yes, thank you. I've been meaning to read this for a while because I actually have a signed limited edition copy of it. <gasps> so fancy. Yeah, so I will not be um, on the audiobooks this week, uh, this month. Perfect, beautiful. I probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Because I have a two-hour commute. Oh, no. That's okay. It's only like twice. Still. But that's annoying. a two-hour commute one way, so that's going twice will be enough for a book. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, who sent in questions. Um, If you would like to send us voice memos, please send us voice memos. We absolutely love that idea. It feels like a book club, in-person discussion-like. Um, Or send us your questions or suggestions to our email at wearedoingfine at gmail.com. You can catch us on all the socials and all that fun stuff. We're just delighted to have everybody join us. Always. Always. But, sadly, that is it from us for September. So, until ne- next month, keep, keep reading, reading fine. fine.